AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Snow day in Iowa and across a lot of the Midwest. Some heavy widespread rain in the eastern Corn Belt this morning as well. And there is more on the way. We will talk weather this morning after we hear from another of the candidates for President of the United States. We're talking motivations, year one plans, and trade issues. Live from the silent majesty of winter's morn via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning, we have presidential candidate, former Ambassador Nikki Haley of South Carolina. And we figured it would be an opportune time to chat with John Hominick of Empire Weather Consulting. Right after the news, we'll hear from Karen Bonert of Farm Journal's Milk. I'm producer Big Apple Joe Stackler. And now, the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flurries. Uh, uh Flurry. <laughs> yeah, well played. Well played, Big Apple Joe. Uh, yeah, unfortunately... Unfortunately, Davis has been hijacked by Mother Nature here this morning and is unable to make connections to the mothership back there in South Bend, Indiana, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. so, But we've got her nailed here, so uh, welcome. Welcome to AgriTalk. Glad that you are with us. And you heard correctly from Big Apple Joe. We are going to have a conversation, actually, We've already had the conversation with Ambassador Nikki Haley, had that earlier this morning as uh, she is looking for something to do in Iowa this morning, I guess. Uh, but we've had the conversation with Ambassador Nikki Haley. We will have that coming up for you in the next uh, uh, in the next segment. If you will remember, we've got five questions that we've put in front of all the candidates. We've asked them to... Uh, Give us a call, get on the show, and answer those five questions. Fortunately, after uh, Governor DeSantis and after um, Ambassador Haley, there there has been a little bit of overtime in the uh, in, in the questions. So we've got we we've had an opportunity to ask some additional questions as well, and uh, we will have that conversation with Ambassador Haley coming up in the next segment. Really looking forward to that. And having that for you. Uh, and then, of course, we need to talk about what's going on in the weather. It's bad out there right now. I, I look outside, and we've, we've had, it looks to me like eight inches in, um, in northeast Iowa. There's more on the way. And it's the more on the way that starts to add on and double up and create the real issues for us as we make our way into the end of the week. So we'll have a conversation with John about that coming up in just a bit. And Karen Boner will join us here in just a couple of minutes. Let's go ahead and take a look at some of the news. Traders are awaiting Friday's USDA reports, including the quarterly grain stocks, winter wheat seedings, and world supply and demand estimates. It's the final production estimates of the year for the U.S. crops, but traders are likely more interested in what USDA does with the South American crop estimates. Private estimates for corn and soybean crops in Brazil are wide-ranging and hotly debated 
and pro-former crop consultant Dr. Michael Cordonier of Soybean and Corn Advisor this week left his Brazilian bean crop estimate at 151 million metric tons, the corn crop peg from Dr. C at 117 million. USDA last month put the Brazilian corn crop at 129 million and the bean crop at 161 million metric tons. So Dr. C obviously sees uh, USDA's crop estimates coming down. We'll also get some estimates from CONAB as the week goes on ahead of those reports on Friday. The amount of merchandise flowing through the Red Sea has been greatly impacted by terrorist attacks and attempts to disrupt global trade. According to Port Watch, traffic through the Red Sea is 46% less than when the attacks began in the middle of November and is 53% less than the record that was set basically one year ago today. There continues to be speculation some of the major cargo carriers are striking deals with the Houthi terrorists to protect their vessels, but shipping giant Maersk says it has not entered into any of those agreements. USDA is touting investments in market development, noting the Biden administration is investing over $203 million dollars in the expansion of export markets in fiscal year 2024. Of that total, $174 million is for the market access program and promotes products such as fruits, vegetables, nuts, processed goods, and bulk commodities. The other $27 million is for the foreign market development program, which is, which is for generic promotion of U.S. commodities. But if you're looking for the real money here, USDA has introduced a new program called the Regional Agricultural Promotion Program, or RAP. The program will provide $1.2 billion to reach non-traditional markets. It looks like school buses are going electric. The Environmental Protection Agency announced it will be making about $1 billion available to 67 schools to replace the existing to replace existing buses with low emission buses that doubles the epa investment in electric buses for a total of 280 school districts in 37 states epa administrator michael regan emphasized the positive impact of the policy he even cited the enthusiasm of students experiencing their first rides on the e-buses well thank god the kids are excited about riding on an e-bus right karen karen bonert the editor of farm journals milk good morning karen good morning chip hey uh when we were together out in las vegas you couldn't escape the conversation about tight margins and (laughs) and kind of a tough situation in 2024 for dairies what do we know now well, what we know is that in June and July of this past year's margins were down uh, $4, and it was the tightest margin on record. What we know now is that the markets haven't improved, right? So operating right. loans Jeff, are growing uh, larger due to higher input costs and, and, and higher interest rates um, as they've creeped upward over the last year. And a lot of the conversation that you took part of is um, with dairy margin coverage. And we're looking for some production history updates that will hopefully make this more productive or more effective, I should say. 
um, as as most know, DMC, um, it's capped at five million pounds. But, you know, the average dairy farm now milks more than five million or produces more than five million pounds annually. It's more like eight million pounds. But really, yeah. we probably won't get that in the farm bill. It might be more like six million. Um, and producers, Chip, are really dis- disappointed that DMC was not triggered for the month of November. In fact, it was 958. And it was the first time in 2023 that it was above the 950 tier one level. Um, and so, and that's because feed prices have come down, but you know what? So have milk prices. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Milk prices have come down and this is a, you know, the, this is one of the consequences of, of not having an update to the farm bill and an updated DMC or dairy margin coverage program going forward, isn't it? Absolutely. And so the name of the game is when you look at $15 milk, the conversations are like, how can we escape this in the short term, but how can we set up our dairy for success in the long term with markets like this yep absolutely good stuff karen thanks for that perspective appreciate it uh she's got great coverage on this at www.dairyherd.com it's karen bonert editor of farm journals milk coming up next we continue a series of conversations with the candidates for president of the united states ambassador nikki haley here on agritalk To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. What if your commercial beef herd could be better than you thought possible? Genetic testing can help give you more confidence about what your herd is made of, and more importantly, what it can be. Inherit Select from Zoetis provides data-driven genetic insights to help you make more informed selection, breeding, and culling decisions about your cows and heifers. The journey from genetic potential to reality begins with Inherit Select. Ask a genetics rep how to save on testing with our whole herd promotion. Go to beefgenetics.com forward slash radio. When news breaks, the newsmakers talk about it on AgriTalk with Chip Flory. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm your host, Chip Flory. We are thrilled to bring you another installment of our series of interviews with the candidates for President of the United States. As a reminder, we have five questions we are asking each candidate so that you can Run a fair comparison of the answers. Today, we are very happy to welcome Ambassador Nikki Haley, former governor of South Carolina and current candidate for president. Ambassador, we are thrilled that you found some time on an Iowa snow day to have a conversation with AgriTalk. Welcome. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Chip. It's great to be with you. Excellent. Excellent. Let's jump right to it. What's the motivation to be president? Why do you want the job? 
You know, I mean, honestly, the, the long answer is that, look, my parents came here 50 years ago to an America that was strong and proud and full of opportunities. I want them to know that country again. I'm doing this for my husband, who's a combat veteran. He's currently deployed. I'm doing it for him and his military brothers and sisters because they need to know their sacrifice matters. They need to know that we love our country. I'm doing this for my daughter who just got married and I saw how hard it was for her and her husband to own a home. The average home buyer right now is 49 years old. And I'm doing this for my son who's a senior in college and I'm tired of watching him write papers of things he doesn't believe in just to get an A. That's not us. And right now, 81% of Americans don't think their kids are going to have as good of a life as we did. And we can't be okay with that. I'm not okay with that. I think we have a country to save and I'm determined to do it. Outstanding. What's the number one issue or challenge for America and how will you address it as president? I think that first we have to end this national self-loathing that's taken over our country. The idea that they say America's bad or rotten or racist. You know, I was elected the first female minority governor in history. America's not racist. We're blessed. Our kids need to know to love America. They need to be saying the Pledge of Allegiance when they start school every day. And once we get that national self-loathing out of the way, we can start focusing on the economy and getting inflation back on track. We can start focusing on getting our kids reading again and going back to the basics with education. We can start focusing on securing our border with no more excuses. We can start focusing on law and order in our country. And we can start focusing on a strong America that we can all be proud of. Fantastic. The ag farming or ranching and rural issue that you will address as president. What's at the top of the list there? Well, you know, I grew up in an agricultural state. and I was mm-hmm. governor of an agricultural state, so I know the challenges. I mean, the first thing is get the EPA out of the way. Right now they care more about sagebrush lizards than they do about whether we can afford our <laughs> utility bill. And then start seeing, you know, producers as the partners that they are. You know, I mean – Food security is national security. That's always been the case. And we can't ever be okay with getting our food from overseas. We have to make sure not only do we have enough food produced here in America, but that we have more than enough that we can export overseas so that we can make it the powerhouse that we know it can be. That's the same with energy. You know, you've got biofuels here in Iowa. It's hugely important that we see that for the opportunity that it is. So the biggest thing is, is get the EPA out of the way. Let the producers know that we're partners and support them through the process. The one thing I saw in South Carolina is mm-hmm. farmers are the ultimate survivors. They can't control the weather. They can't control pricing. And so the last thing they need is to sit there and have government go and put other mandates on them, whether it's water, whether it's anything else, we've got to stop all that. Fantastic. Okay. Uh, You you mentioned biofuels. Go ahead. Describe your energy and renewable energy policy plans. Well, I think, first of all, you know, the one thing at the United Nations that Russia, China, and Iran never wanted us to have. Well, there were two things. They didn't want us to have a strong military, and they didn't want us to be energy independent. I don't want to be energy independent. I want to be energy dominant. That's all of the above. We need to make sure that we do that by getting the EPA out of the way. But we should roll back, you know, Washington's old rules dictating when we can sell E15 and when we can't. I mean, the rules don't make sense anymore. We should get rid of them. As president, I'll roll back all of Biden's administration's Um, green mandates, especially the ones on electric cars that he's trying to force on us. 
And when we start to focus on that, then we can see what economic incentives we have to make sure that we grow the biofuels and the biodiesel in a way that's really, you know, we can export it out, that we can do more with it. Let consumers decide which fuels they prefer. I think that's the biggest thing. And I'll, I'll be completely supportive of Iowans and completely supportive of biofuels. And that includes supporting the renewable fuel standards. Okay. All right. Uh, roll back the green mandates. Uh, the, the Biden administration's Inflation Reduction Act, also referred to as the Green New Deal. Uh, how would you deal with the initiatives that are already started under the deal, things like climate smart farming programs implemented through USDA. I mean, first of all, I think the main thing we have to do is say, does it make sense? I and mean, this really is common sense. Go back and I did this in South Carolina. We go into every agency and you just clean it up. You pull down old regs, you pull down old programs, you pull down things that are not productive. I mean, we'll start by making sure that the person that's in charge of agriculture, someone who's actually been a farmer, actually knows the challenges and successes of of farming. But you go and you pull down these things that are mandating farmers. That's the biggest thing. And when you pull those things back, that's what is better. Our farmers are very good at innovation. We saw that in South Carolina. When you partner with them and say, how do we go about getting cleaner? How do we go about getting greener? They will yeah. tell you. You don't yeah. have to go to some government bureaucrats to tell you. You need to actually talk to the farmers because they know better than anybody and they want to be green, but they don't want it pushed on them and done in extremes that it makes their job harder. Right. Right. Okay. Um, back to the original five questions here. How will business, small and large, view the fiscal policies of a Haley administration? Well, you put an accountant in the White House and magic happens. I will tell you that. We are $34 trillion in debt. We're having to borrow money just to make our interest payments. China owns some of that debt. So what we need to do is we need to stop the wasteful spending. We're seeing that in both Republicans and Democrats. And so the first thing that we'll do is we'll stop the spending. We'll stop the borrowing. I'll eliminate all these pet projects and earmarks. And I'll veto any spending bill that doesn't take us back to pre-COVID levels. Secondly, we'll move as many federal programs as we can, and we move them down to the state level. That way you're reducing the size of the federal government, but you're empowering people on the ground and moving more of those resources to let the people decide how best to use it. Then we want to let the middle class breathe. And the way we'll let the middle class breathe is we will eliminate the federal gas and diesel tax in this country. And then we'll cut taxes on the middle class and simplify the brackets. Hmm. And then we'll make sure that we make the small business tax cuts permanent. They made corporate tax cuts permanent, but they made small business tax cuts temporary. And we'll stop double taxing farmers the way they are right now, which is keeping them from having generational farms from taking place. When you do those types of things, that's when you really get spending back on track. You get inflation under control and you help those that really need it. I know small businesses are the heartbeat of our economy. We need to start acting like it. Boy, that's a long list. Is that a list of year one priorities? I mean, I think we have to look at the fact that our economy is a national security risk right now. If we don't do something about it, in a couple of years, we'll be spending more on interest than we will on our defense budget. And when Russia, China, and Iran see that, we're in a world of trouble. The other thing is, Iowans are very tied to China. Yes. Instead of sitting there waiting for China to pull the rug out from under us, we'll get in front of it. 
I will go to our allies, India, Japan, South Korea, Australia, New Zealand, Israel, the Philippines, and, and make sure we do trade with them. Help Iowans figure out how to move that trade over. India just gave themselves a billion dollar stimulus to become less dependent on China. Mm -hmm. Japan followed suit. We will go to our allies and switch that trade over before China ever thinks about doing something that's going to harm our farmers. All right. We've got about a minute left here. Former President Trump says that he will put a 10% tariff on all imports from all countries in an effort to, I guess, rebalance international trade. Is that a strategy that you would consider? No, because you can't. I mean, when you do that, you're costing Americans more money when you do that. The time you want to put tariffs is when you're dealing with an adversary, when you're dealing with a situation that you need to go and make sure that you're making things harder for them. We need to do more trade with more friends. And we need to do it in a way that we're exporting as much as we possibly can. And we're doing business deals. As governor, I was focused on how did I get my businesses mm -hmm. to export out as much business as they should. A president should be no different. We should, I would be the number one salesperson of American products, of American produce, of American things. You want to sell those out. If you just start doing tariffs on everybody, guess what? They do it back to you. Yeah. And then everybody's suffers the consequences so you have to be strategic you have to be smart that's when you can make sure that it's more of an advantage and you use it as leverage you don't just use it as an across-the-board plan and ambassador haley we unfortunately are out of time thank you so much for your time this morning thank you so much go to nikkihaley.com and we're going to get america back on track thank you ambassador haley that is former u.n ambassador former South Carolina governor and current candidate for U.S. President Nikki Haley. We'll be back with more AgriTalk in a moment. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Joining us now, ProFarmer editor Brian Grady. Beach. we watched the pressure on the grain markets yesterday turn into a recovery. Today, it's led by the wheat market. What's going on? Yeah, absolutely, Chip. And, and uh, you know, we've seen the funds be very active sellers, yeah. uh, not only to finish up 2023, but uh, to start 2024 and uh, just some corrective buying going on, uh, you know, being led by the wheat markets, like you said, and in particular, HRW wheat. So if there is a fundamental reason behind this, it's probably that the uh, um, Arctic air blast is coming on the back end of the snow system that, that's moving across the central U.S. right now. And, and uh, the questions on if there will be winter kill and, and how much there will be uh, through HRW and SRW areas. And that's why those two markets are, are posting double-digit gains at the moment. But spring wheat futures are also about a dime higher. And, and uh, you know, it's spilling over into corn and, and soybeans. It took the soybean market a little while to get going. Uh, but soy oil is helping lead up to the uh, upside there. Uh, weakness in the meal market is somewhat limiting buyer interest. Okay. Uh, it's, uh, it, it is one of those days over in the livestock trade that you just hope we can hold on to what we've got here at mid-morning. Yeah, actually, uh, pretty good uh, buying interest uh, across the uh, cattle complex and yeah. in hogs here at uh, mid-morning. And, and uh, you know, weather's in play there as well. Uh, this is the first winter storm, and, and 
you never know how the cattle are, are going to react. Uh, you know, we've had a pretty benign winter up until this point. And, and right. so uh, you get the, the snows and then you get the extreme cold temps on the back end of it. And you get the disruptions to uh, yeah. just transportation of cattle. And, and so that's helping to support the uh, those markets. Uh, the hogs, uh, you know, being led by the front end of that market with strong okay. gains in the February contract. Thanks, Brian. That's Performer Editor Brian Grady on Markets Now. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. What if your commercial beef herd could be better than you thought possible? Genetic testing can help give you more confidence about what your herd is made of, and more importantly, what it can be. Inherit Select from Zoetis provides data-driven genetic insights to help you make more informed selection, breeding, and culling decisions about your cows and heifers. The journey from genetic potential to reality begins with Inherit Select. Ask a genetics rep how to save on testing with our whole herd promotion. Go to beefgenetics.com forward slash radio. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Knowledge is power. We're here to charge your batteries. AgriTalk. Again, a big thank you to Ambassador Nikki Haley for making time for us this morning. We certainly appreciate that. Uh, They've been on a crazy, crazy schedule leading up to the... Iowa caucuses and a uh, little bit of a snow delay and, and cancellations in her her planned events uh, opened up an opportunity for us early this morning, and we took advantage of it. And uh, we certainly appreciate that that she made the phone call and, and uh, we had the conversation. Uh, speaking of a crazy schedule, and uh, let's, let's bring in John Hominick. He is uh, with Empire Weather. He joins us right now. John. Wow, man. Talk about a crazy series of events, not only here in the U.S., but also down in South America. How are you, buddy? I'm I'm hanging in there. I, I got to tell you, I don't think I've ever consumed this much coffee in my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, such is the life of the weather guy, right? That's right. The weather yeah. never stops. That's the yeah. old thing. Yeah, exactly. Well, here we are. I'm looking out the the window of the bunker right now. And it looks to me like there's at least eight inches of snow out there. Uh, I'm up in Northeast Iowa, John. It's uh, th- this one may have overperformed or, or outpaced as advertised, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll tell you, it's a good preview for what's to come because this is a serious winter weather pattern. 
Uh, we have a lot of Arctic air in place and a very, very active storm track. So this is the first in a series of storms. Um, and, and the first time this winter that we've really had this kind of Arctic air sinking down into the United States, which I'm, I'm sure when you do step outside today, you will, you will notice very quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been joking around with Davis, uh, basically since the first part of November saying that it, it feels like we're living on borrowed times, uh, with, with regards to the winter weather. Well, here it is. What changed? What what opened the door? Yeah, it's a great, uh, great question. R- what what changed was the, the development of something called high latitude blocking, and it's a, you know it sounds really fancy, but really all it is, is is just high pressure or higher heights in the higher latitudes. So areas like Greenland or the Arctic, uh, Central Canada, way up there, when we get ridges of high pressure there, they push the air that typically resides way up there, which is where we like it to stay. And it moves it down here into the United States and Canada. And so this block, this high latitude block is really strong. And so it's deflecting all of this air southward into the United States. And it's causing a major, major uh, cool down and a, a surge of Arctic air all while the pattern remains active. So this block is really kind of the the catalyst for this, the, the changing weather pattern that we've seen here over the last week. Okay. What's left in the storms that are happening right now? Because, boy, I look over there at the southeast U.S., and they're just covered up with rain uh, this morning. What's left in this this particular storm? Yeah, so so this particular storm is not done yet. Uh, We still have, obviously, snow ongoing across the Midwest and the Great Lakes. That'll spread into New England. So we're looking at winter weather in the higher elevations of areas like New York, Vermont, New Hampshire. But in the southeast, we're also seeing severe weather. So there's a risk for strong winds and tornadoes today, pretty much anywhere in the southeast yeah. from Georgia to South Carolina, North Carolina. Uh, the Storm Prediction Center website is the best place to go to see the visuals on that. But heavy rain and storms likely in those regions. Meanwhile, the snow will persist in the Midwest and the Great Lakes. So that snow band that's affecting you right now in, in eastern Iowa, that's going to move eastward and impact parts of uh, northern Illinois, Wisconsin, and eventually spread into northern and central Michigan as well before the storm wraps up uh, Wednesday morning. Okay, that wraps up Wednesday morning. And man, coming right behind it, we've got another system at the end of the week, right? Yeah, we sure do. Yeah, we, we, there's actually two. There's a very weak one that okay. comes through Wednesday, Wednesday night and Thursday morning. So that could bring a little bit of a surprise snow to parts of Iowa, Wisconsin, and Michigan. Really light snow, but it's kind of one of those things where you walk outside and you're going to be like, really, again? Yeah. Uh, but that system's going to slide right through. The next big one is Friday. And there's a little bit of uncertainty with this one. Some models have it further east uh, in parts of Ohio. Other models have it you know, further west and impacting the same regions again. But either way, a deep low pressure system forms, moves into the Ohio Valley, and we'll see snow move again into parts of the Midwest and the Great Lakes and more rain and storms and severe weather in the southeast states. So it's almost a repeat wow. system uh, on Friday into Saturday morning. Wow. Wow. And, you know, it's 30 degrees here in northeast Iowa right now. But by this week or this weekend, we're going to be looking at at. Uh, Overnight lows well below zero, right? Yeah, so that's the difference between this storm uh, right now and the one for the weekend. The weekend one, Friday into Saturday morning, what comes behind that is the real beast, and that is a huge, deep high pressure 
that surges down straight from the Arctic. So we are looking at temperatures and wind chills falling well below zero in parts of uh, the, the Dakotas and Minnesota, even down into parts of the of Iowa, the Midwest, the Great Lakes. Uh, we use a, a, a something called apparent temperature, and that's basically what it feels like on your body. And when you combine combine the temperature and the wind chill that's being forecast this weekend, specifically Saturday and Sunday, we are well below zero into almost dangerous levels across the Dakotas, Nebraska, Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, and northern Illinois. So this is a serious uh, a winter pattern, and it's going to get very, very cold this weekend behind that last storm there. Yeah. yeah. Boy, the cattle feeders that that have had a really, really good winter up to this point, heads up on that with those cold, cold temps coming down into uh, feedlot country in Nebraska, Kansas. It's... Uh, it's the real deal, isn't it, John? It is, and and that kind of cold is nothing to joke about. You know, it's it's right. we we I laugh about it when I see it on the maps because I you know like you said you're in your bunker. You know, we're in our office, and uh, you know I could turn the heat up and and be yeah. miserable. But when you know a lot of the outdoor agriculture operations, it, it's it's serious. Uh, we're talking oh. twenty thirty degrees below zero wind chills. <sighs> okay, does the pattern repeat? into next week so it, it likely stays very cold in the next week not quite as bad as that um okay. and, and lasts till about january 20th or so on most models and then we start to see a little bit of moderation you know these things don't last forever and and likely that block that i talked about earlier in the segment is going to start to weaken a little bit and we'll start to get a little bit more of a moderation in temperature by the time we get into the second half of january which should help a little bit you know i'll i'll leave february off the table cuz i think we'll go back to the madness in february but in late january we'll probably see a little bit of a pullback on this this major arctic weather pattern okay all right um the other weather feature that we've got to talk about we've we've got about 4 minutes left here john uh, is is what's going on down in South America? All of the sudden, and eh, I shouldn't say it that way. I mean, it was it was eventually it was going to happen. Where up in in the northern production area, central Brazil, it, the drought hasn't been fixed, but it's raining easier than what it did two weeks ago, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, this was, yeah. Um, you know, I'd, I'd argue that it was fairly well predicted. Um, I think yeah. it was seen several weeks out. Uh, it was just a matter of getting it pinned down on the timing. And, and obviously there was a lot of stress on uh, on the forecast. And, and that's understandable because it had been just incredibly dry and, and hot uh, in areas that really were pushing up against the clock. But we have seen really beneficial rains for the last week, even going back to uh, the period after Christmas had some rains, too. Uh, and those rains are expected to continue this week in, in, in Mato Grosso and, and surrounding locations for the next uh, three to five days. Um, and that'll help to, you know, continue to to make some improvements in areas that really were, were doing really poorly with soil moisture and rainfall totals. Um, we are looking at a little bit of a dry period again, though, in late January. Um, I think we'll see probably from the 15th to the 25th, we'll see these steady, heavy rains back off a little bit. Most models have drier than normal weather through about the 23rd or 24th of January uh, in central Brazil. So still not totally out of the woods yet. But the good news is that after that, uh, we'll go back into another favorable pattern. So after the 25th of January, very good agreement on that moisture coming back. So a little bit of a roller coaster. But, you know, if you look at it from a bird's eye view, definitely in a much better place now than we were a couple weeks ago. Well, and it, it, we're getting to the point, and that crop is getting to the point down in in the northern production areas that 
eventually rain's going to be a nuisance again. <laughs> it's funny how quickly that changes, isn't it? Yeah. It, it seems like you just cross that that threshold and, and then all of a sudden we don't want rain anymore. But right. yeah, I think, um, you know, it, it varies depending on who we talk to. Uh, our, our folks down there, some of them are still saying, you know, let's get as much rain as we can. Um, but typically, sure. you know, you look at the calendar, by the time you get into the first couple of days of February or maybe mid-February, then the rainfall becomes a little bit less important because we're, we're getting deeper and deeper yeah. into this into the season and it becomes more of a nuisance as you alluded to yeah yeah okay um the safrina corn crop red flag yellow flag or green flag on safrina corn uh i'm going yellow flag for now um okay. you know this this pattern has seen it seen its ups and ups and downs um you know it's kind of like the tail of two areas right like central brazil has been quite dry uh, but then trended warmer. If you look further south, northeast Argentina, southern Brazil, like Rio Grande do Sul, yeah, they've yeah. been much wetter than normal. I mean, they've they've had precipitation pretty much every week for the last two months. Um, so for me, I, I say yellow flag for Safrina right now. And even looking around the whole South America as a whole, just in general, every region, I say this ends up being a sort of a yellow flag season in general. Okay. All right. John, we certainly appreciate you making time for us this morning. I wish you had better news to talk about, but you know, it's kind of it's kind of a you know, I don't want to overplay it, but it is an emergency situation. I'm glad that you uh that that you could make time and have a conversation with us this morning. Thank you. Of course, happy to chat anytime, guys. All right. empireweather.com. empireweather.com. That's where you want to go if you want to get uh more information from John and, and see about the services that that they offer there at Empire Weather. Uh, okay, again, thanks to John. When we come back, it's going to be me. We're still waiting for Davis to get over his technical issues. We'll see if that happens by the time we come back here on AgriTalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. What if your commercial beef herd could be better than you thought possible? Genetic testing can help give you more confidence about what your herd is made of, and more importantly, what it can be. Inherit Select from Zoetis provides data-driven genetic insights to help you make more informed selection, breeding, and culling decisions about your cows and heifers. The journey from genetic potential to reality begins with Inherit Select. Ask a genetics rep how to save on testing with our whole herd promotion. Go to beefgenetics.com forward slash radio. chickens have come home to roost find out whose fence they're perched on today on agritalk 
Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you are with us. Wow, what a show. Great conversation there with John Hamanuk from uh, Empire Weather. Uh, you know, yesterday when I was when, when we were talking weather issues, uh, Davis made the comment that 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 I, I was starting to feel like, hey, this is a very serious situation. I wasn't starting to feel like it was a very serious situation. I knew it would be, uh, just de- dependent on where the snow fell and where the track ran. Well, here we are waiting for the current storm system to wrap up by tomorrow morning, something like that, uh, and for the next to move in, which could be, no, not even could be, will be worse than this event just simply because of the cold temperatures. Uh, So, boy, heads up going into the end of the week. That Friday into Saturday storm looks like a, a... a real serious situation for the livestock producers out there. Uh, fortunately, we've been talking about these storms for some time and giving uh, giving producers and and uh, livestock guys a little bit of time to prepare. Um, okay, conversation with Ambassador Nikki Haley. Uh, thank you again to Ambassador Haley for making time for us. We certainly certainly appreciate her doing that and and uh even though it's a snow day it's still a busy schedule for the candidates as they head into the january 15 iowa caucuses uh there's also she's preparing she had a town hall last night on cnn uh she is preparing for a debate that will take place at drake university tomorrow a two-person primary debate it seems strange uh, at, at this point, that it is down to two persons, three qualified, three qualified. You know who the third is, Pres- uh, former President Trump, also qualified for the debate at Drake University. Uh, but uh, it, it will be down to Governor DeSantis and Ambassador Haley at the debate. The, the Some of the answers, I will remind you, I will remind you that when we had Governor DeSantis on, the overwhelming feedback that we got from the DeSantis interview was, where in the heck has this guy been? Um, And as we look at some of the, or listen to some of the answers that we got from Ambassador Haley, uh, it's, it's it's hard for... To ignore how some of the answers just jump out at you. Uh, Number one issue or challenge for America right now, get over the self-loathing. And our kids need to know that it's okay to love America. Amen. Amen to that. We, uh, there's many examples of that, that uh, uh, she could have cited, uh, but, Fortunately, uh, she stuck to the timeline, and and we got all the way through the five questions. The the ag issue that she's going to be addressing as president, she went straight to EPA, get EPA out of the way, and see producers as partners, not rivals or or uh, villains in the environmental issues out there. See producers as a partner, and and move forward from there. Um, she. Uh, she wants the U.S. 
to be energy dominant, not just independent, uh, but energy dominant. Talked about rolling back the green mandates that are um, that are already in place or that are in place, uh, and and uh, that's one of the reasons that I included at the start of the show the efforts at EPA and the Biden administration to go green and electric on school buses. I wonder how uh, the uh, here I am looking out at at uh, all the snow and I wonder what uh, bus drivers would think about taking an electric bus out into conditions like we've got out there this morning. I know, I know it, it these conditions aren't everywhere. I get it. Uh, but you, you want, you, you want the best possible transportation uh, when, when we've got the kids in the bus as, as possible. And uh, yeah, a lot of schools are out today, but, I wonder how school bus drivers would feel about an electric school bus out there. Um, And then she delivered a long list of issues that she will be looking at on fiscal policies. Uh, Number one thing that she mentioned was we got to get past the ridiculous spending. Uh, I I think most are in agreement with that, that we need to get past it. But that's talk. Uh, the, the, what we need to see is some actual action on cutting the costs. And, and we've supposedly have an agreement between, uh, Senate leader Schumer and, and house speaker Johnson on the appropriations process. And, and now that we've got the house and the Senate back at work, hopefully they will be working on that so that we will not see a government shutdown come the 19th of January. But we do know that there is a lot of work that still needs to be done to make sure that that happens. Uh, one last thing, uh, one, one last news item that I did not have time to get to earlier that I want to include. Uh, ethanol and biofuel groups have filed petitions for rehearing with the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals regarding the court's 2023 decision on small refinery exemptions. Here we are again, the SREs. Uh, Of course, that is part of the renewable fuel standard. In November, the Fifth Circuit sided with a group of six refineries and ruled that EPA improperly denied their SRE request. So we're going to be digging more into that and trying to figure out exactly what this petitions for a rehearing is when it might happen what the results might be what it might mean for biofuels going forward and for those small refinery exemptions uh sres have not been much of an issue to deal with in the ethanol industry under the biden administration they were a daily headache under the Trump administration. Uh, but here we are. That's just a matter of fact right there. Thank you so much for listening this morning. Appreciate it. Come back this afternoon. We're going to have a conversation with Don Rose from U.S. Commodities right here on Agritalk.